So what, what have you been up to? Oh, um, oh, I saw, okay. I started the 90 day novel. Finally. Oh my God, Nate, that's huge. Thank you. I've been going really slow. I was kind of disappointed. Maybe this is something to talk about later on too, but, um, because you know, the 90 day novel like thing is like, it's a fairly straightforward process. You, every day is like, there's an entry for every day in the book. So you do certain exercises and they're like four or five, or actually maybe like six free writing topics that you do for like five minutes mm-hmm. for like half an hour total. And then the rest of the 90 minutes, like it's, and then like, it's like spend 90 minutes, just like dreaming the story, mm-hmm. being in the world of the story, like whatever you need to do basically, but like free writing basically. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that sounds great. And then it was really hard to do because mm. I knew so much, I have so much going on already in my head about the story, but there was something about the way the questions were that was just like, I was just drawing a blank. And I was like, this is so weird because, you know, ordinarily I could just like free write on a random topic. Sure. Mm. Um, But so it's been kind of slow. And so I'm only on like day three. (laughs) So it's 90 minutes a day. It's two hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like trying to adjust. Like, I was like, maybe I can manage like an hour a day. Mm-hmm. And if I just drag this whole process out longer, maybe I'll get some momentum going. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like writing wise. But other than that, I have this like part-time gig now. Mm-hmm. And so that has been good, but it's like making space in my head mm-hmm. for all the things. Mm-hmm. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in my office, my desk job, I this week have gone up to, I've agreed to go up from working three days to four days a week. Um, And I was just telling you, obviously, before we hopped on, that I also now am commuting to London for two days of the week. So if anyone listening to the show, I'm based in Bristol in the UK. So that's like, it's like a chunky commute. And it was a decision I felt really good about it because I... I'm really invested in the work. So it's work with a mental health tech startup. So that's cool. But it it really is that balancing thing of, okay, so what's going to give? Something has to give. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'll be really interested to hear from you as well. Like I had this real phase in my 20s where it was just do everything no matter what the cost. Don't mm-hmm. compromise on um, pursuing in parallel all of these projects and... Mm-hmm it's just a complete, it was a complete burnout situation. Like in my notebook, I had a grid, a table of all the projects I had on. And at the time I was still quite involved in um, a lot of ultra, ultra fringe theater. I mean, ultra fringe. (laughs) Um, We did like a queer gender swapped Hamlet, which was 10 out of 10, but it was like that kind of stuff. And then there was my own writing. And at the time I really thought that I wanted to get into performance poetry and, you know, there's always a novel on the go. Will she ever finish one? Like, stay tuned. Nobody knows. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So 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 with this, it was it was a kind of sitting down with a cup of tea, really thinking about how how to find how to keep finding idle moments in the busyness. Mm-hmm which might yeah. be kind of a nice segue into this week's yeah, this week's topic. For sure. 
So everybody, welcome to Idol Writers Club. Hi, I'm Kate. Hi, I'm Shaylee. Um, so we're two as yet unpublished writers and creativity coaches, and we get together every couple of weeks to talk about our respective creative practices. And we're really interested in how to create a sustainable creative practice that feels effortless, fun, and inspired most of the time, and playful, and all of these kind of things. Um, so each episode we'll be diving into a different theme, something that's kind of close to our hearts and comes up in our conversations often, something maybe that's really helped us see our process or our projects differently, and that we feel maybe hasn't been explored in a way that feels really good to us in other places. So we're really hoping that this might give you a different angle, a different lens on your practice as well. And today we're going to be talking about creative idleness and play, which is great. Shaley, yeah. what are your thoughts? I love this topic because I feel like it's something that we kind of say we value in theory and it's really hard to make time for it and it's really hard to prioritize it. And um, I, maybe the first thing that comes to mind is also that we have this idea that like idleness is good, but how do you, but we also want it to be practical. Mm -hmm. And so there's this kind of um, sweet spot that I think writers and artists often talk about, like there's like a kind of creative idleness versus like a more wasteful kind of idleness. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like the creative idleness is like you're, you're generating ideas, you're, you're finding clarity, you're, mm -hmm. you're exploring. And uh, th there's a kind of, I don't want to say wasteful because I don't think anything is like really wasted, but like the kind of idleness where you're just like worrying about stuff and you're just unfocused and scattered. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a really tough ask to ourselves when we want productive idleness, but that's kind <laughs> of is the thing, isn't it? To be like, okay, so I'm going to do nothing secretly hoping that this will turn into this like amazing brain wavy you know productive creative time and I find when I go into idle moments with that expectation some it's like sometimes you you know because I think boredom when you're really bored that's just like such a great canvas for daydreaming and then therefore having these lovely creative moments I think you can go into, I think I have been able to go into idleness being like, I hope this is useful. And then it mm -hmm. has been. But then I also think there's like a trying sometimes. Like, right. like it's fake. The idleness is fake. The <laughs> yeah. that, you're, like, do, you're, do you're, you're like lying to yourself, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, mm. But you recently had an experience where you had to take a long train ride mm -hmm. unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being some good idle time. It did. And it was. And the thing with that train journey that I thought was going to be like an hour and 40 minutes and was three long hours was that before I, I got on the train, I was really careful to like anticipate my needs, which is something mm -hmm. that I think as young women is not something we're like trained to do so then mm, when yeah. we're when we're like then like 
our adult selves I always feel really proud where I have anticipated my own needs and not spent that time being like, what does X, Y, Z person, what will X, Y, Z person want in an hour's time? I was really like, what am I going to need on this long train ride? And I got myself some nice snacks and a big bottle of water. And I was just like, okay, well, we're just in it now. And it was great because after about an hour, I just relaxed into it. And I had some really wonderful ideation time and I came up with um a whole bunch of new scenes for the for my outline that process is really working for me this kind of non-linear um sort of almost like catching flies that's not a pretty (laughs) metaphor fireflies does that make it more like whimsical that sounds nice <laughs> but like this idea of like just like catching these things as they float in the air and drift towards me instead of how I've gone about the sort of outlining process before has been very measured and pragmatic and you know You're like chasing it down yes oh my gosh that's yes exactly <laughs> whereas this is more just it's like I'm fishing like I'm just sat with my I don't know. I can't even talk. I can't talk about fishing, but it's that idea of just, <laughs> it just comes like this, either the stuff comes or it doesn't. And yeah. that's great. But, but the more time I spend doing nothing, the more stuff comes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, it's so funny because it feels like a kind of catch 22 to us. We're like, mm-hmm. wait, so I have to trick myself to be productive. And it's kind of like, yeah, in creative <laughs> work, at least. <laughs> Just like put yourself in a state where you're just like not trying and just relaxed. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you're just like, you're like catching things that are like floating around. Mm Do you know what? And I think the other thing is with that is to show those things respect when they turn up. Mm. So I've been trying to when, oh, who is it that talks about this? Who's the chap that wrote Coaching the Artist Within? Oh, uh, Eric Maisel? Yes, Eric Maisel. Um, (laughs) The OG. (laughs) The OG. (laughs) I really, I like that book. It's a little, at times, a little bit forceful, a little bit of like a kind of that masculine energy in there. But I think overall, Mm. I I do really like it. But he talks about one of the chapters is creating in the middle of things. Mm. And he he shares this anecdote about how he was in a park and there's this guy who like looks a bit sloppy and he has a coffee and a sandwich or I don't know, whatever. He's like got food stuffs and he clearly is struck by inspiration. This guy sits down on the bench, wipes his hands on his trousers, gets out a notepad and starts writing furiously. And Eric Maisel's point is if you're creating in the middle of things, it's because you, um, gosh, how does he phrase it? It's like, you're not afraid to get messy and you're not afraid to disrupt the thing you were doing and causing a little bit of carnage in your immediate moment in order to capture the thought that you've just had, the image that you've been struck with, what, you know, the, the feeling, the emotion that you respect your inspiration yeah. enough to stop everything and put it and commit it to the page. And I love right. that. So I don't really, I've no, not really sure why I'm talking about that so passionately, but it seemed really relevant. I've been trying to think about that. Yeah, no, no. Like it's kind of like going back to your point of like when you're catching these kind of things that Mm -hmm. float to your mind, 
it's like you were, you started taking them seriously. Mm. Yeah. And like, that feels like, that feels like a huge, it feels like a big deal because we don't, we kind of stop ourselves from doing that a lot. I think um, like you say, Oh, well, this is not a good time for that. Like when, when, when I'm like just before bed, I'll like look back and I'll think of that thing that I meant to note down. And it's like, of course you're going to forget. So mm-hmm. Um, it, that kind of reminds me also of what, um, Julia Cameron says in the right to write where I, like, I have a quote here because it was, it just reminded me of like, this is like (laughs) the idle way of creating, which I just, I just love it so much because it's so much more practical than we think it is. She says, I like writing to be more portable and flexible. I like writing to be something that fits into cracks and crannies. I don't like it to dominate my life. I like it to fill my life. There is a big difference. When writing dominates a life, relationships suffer, and not coincidentally, so does the writing. So it's kind of like you're blocking yourself from all all the flows of your day if you just think that you're going to like relegate it to this like one time that you do it, Mm -hmm. Mm. which is so good. And I, and, and also just letting myself off the hook and letting the writing be unintellectual Mm. which I think we kind of talked about this last time around the fact that I'm a recovering snob and (laughs) or wear that badge um (laughs) and I actually made a note of, of this like I wanted to talk to you about it was now that I've got into a little bit of a groove of actually doing creative work on the page I'm now having this like crisis that it's all a bit shit. And, I know why. Well, because it's because it, it's, it's at first draft. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, it's, so it's, it's going mentally. to be. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and I like I know that consciously. Like as we're talking, I'm like, Oops, you know, it's not it's not going to be this sparkly, gripping, mm-hmm. and I'm writing, and then. And then she went to the castle and it was big and busy. You know, it's like literally, and I'm reading it back. I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm talentless. I thought I had more words than this. And that it's, it's kind of this weird thing where that's what it's meant to be. You know, you're yeah. just, I'm just hacking away at nothing yeah. to create a pile of something to then do something with. Mm-hmm. But it's difficult. There are times when I read I think the trick is probably to not read too much of it back. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or even just to, I mean, I guess there's a difference between well, the thing that the 90, the thing, the 90 day novel helped me realize is like, there's a period of time, at least a month where you're just kind of writing stuff to like get the images going to get the, mm-hmm. to, to, you're like turning the faucet on. You're like, and then you're like, like, it's like after a period where there's like been some like dirty water or something, you're just like letting it run and then it'll start and then it'll go clear, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a metaphor that comes to me at least at this moment. But um, mm-hmm. so maybe just accepting that there will, this is like the period of time where you're just like, you're, I don't even know what's a good way of phrasing it. You're just like mucking around. I don't know. Like you're just mm-hmm. trying to figure out or like bushwhacking another writer talked about it as like you're like in a deep forest there's no like path you're just like whacking away (laughs) it's so true but it really is it is rough and the other the other ones I've heard in that vein one of them is like you're 
you've got a pickaxe and you're just pickaxing away at this mountain and then eventually you'll take the rubble and turn it into a statue and it's it's because it is those big chunks you know Mm -hmm. and and I think it maybe it feels um really basic because it's at that really it's at that higher level right now you know I'm it's here's the title of this scene here is Mm -hmm. in very simple as quick as I can get down sentences what's happening like where they are what the emotions are there's not like I'm not writing in the way that you're doing sketches I'm doing sketches yes yeah we there's this um so I took drawing classes for a while and there's this one exercise that they usually have us do for like landscapes where you're just kind of representing things with like different types of marks and squiggles. And like, you're just like, you're just kind of delineating where things are in relation to other things. And, and so it's like, it's not really like what you would even think of as a sketch, but it's just a way for you to get familiar with what you're doing, I guess, before you go into it. So mm. it kind of feels like that's what you're talking about but you're just doing it with words I love that comparison I really love that comparison and it I when I started to feel this way this week I, I was trying to sort of coach myself through it and just say you know the important thing the important things plural are that this is fun to do which mm-hmm. it it was in that moment, even when I looked at what I was writing and thinking, oh my God, you know, it was still a fun experience to imagine this stuff and write the sketch down, yeah. to capture yeah. the sketch. And the other thing I think that's important is that I'm doing anything at all. Yeah. So, you and the reason step. I, yeah, and I think the reason I say that feels important, that's not like a productivity plug. As you know, I'm very anti- like you know needing to output things to feel valid but it it's a commitment to myself so that's what feels really good about it you know yeah yeah sketching I'm gonna rename that whole folder sketches great perfect Mm. um and it kind of to tie it back to idleness it kind of does remind me of like that uh that's that kind of space in between doing nothing and doing something like there's like this whole it's kind of like when you're sitting down to like think of something and you're like holding it lightly in your head right and the ideas are coming and going or like an image will come up or whatever but you kind of have to make room for like like sit with that silence or sit with that like stillness Mm -hmm. but but yeah it's so hard when you're like Oh, but this isn't really anything yet. Mm. You have you have to have that faith, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's the hardest part. Yeah, I remember being in an, an art class in high school, and I guess this was something. I don't know why I got into this attitude, but I'm trying to replicate it now for writing, where I would sit with something and I'd have like I was doing like a still life, or I was working off another. Uh, famous painting that I was just, I don't know, but these are some of the exercises. Mm -hmm. And um, it was kind of like, I was so okay with things not looking the way 
that they were supposed to look because I assumed it was just part of the process and I was never um, put off if something wasn't the way I wanted it to be because I could just erase it, you know? And I don't know why it's so hard sometimes to have that attitude with writing because it's like, I could just erase it. (laughs) Like no one has to know. Um, But at the same time, maybe the metaphor is limited or the comparison is limited because you do have a kind of image that you're working off of. Like this thing is supposed to look like this thing that's right in front of you and you, and you can see it and you can touch it. Whereas like with writing, you're like, well, what am I even trying to do? Um, And that feels frustrating because you're like, there's no, there's no gap. Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no way of you assessing if you're even on the right track. Right. I don't know if that relates to what you were just talking about, but it just made me think like, Sometimes it's easy to get stuck in the idleness because you're like, well, what am I doing this for? Yes. And the, the, the piece that you just said then around, we've got, you know, there's something so d- directly in front of you that you're trying to like imitate that really mm-hmm. struck a chord with me. And I just, I'm just trying to quickly grab a quote um, <laughs> to share on that moment on that thought because so I'm reading right now for my sins no it's good um (laughs) the mirror and the light so it's Hilary Mantel it's the third book in the Wolf Hall like the Thomas Cromwell series do you have you read them or are you aware of them I don't know anything about them oh okay (laughs) so I will I'll do a brief I'll give you a brief like 101 so they're these huge books they're absolutely massive doorstoppers and they're set during Henry VIII's reign in England so it's 1500s like 1530s and follows the life of Thomas Cromwell who became this extremely influential and powerful man you know rising from like nothing to this like position so it's this kind of rags to riches story and it's um she did loads of research and worked very closely with all these historians so there's a lot of historical texture and accuracy obviously also it's just it's a work of fiction as well right because you don't know what these people what actually happened um but she her style is like it's like a fever dream is the way I describe it and I the third book feels harder to read I thought the I mean they've all been like had a level of difficulty but the first book I really found like the more I read the more I was just in this world like in this she doesn't often describe where any of the characters are she'll just be like in Westminster, Thomas Cromwell and so-and-so are having a chat type thing. And you're like, you just have to picture these very fragmented scenes. But she has, mm. she's, she has such uh, an incredible poetic style. So, right, okay, here, here, here is a quote from uh, The Mirror and the Light. He has an affinity with iron, steel, with everything that is mined from the earth or forged everything that is made molten or wrought or given a cutting edge. Oh, nice. Amazing. (laughs) Love it so much. I really think she's brilliant. She's a, she's, it's just amazing. But so when you're reading by someone who's like a Pulitzer winner or I don't know, whatever she's won. And then it just, 
I have to remind myself like that is not the goal right now where I am yeah it's not you don't just sort of your fingers don't just shit out this like incredibly crafted honed prose yeah yeah and sometimes it's worth just like finding authors who you genuinely love but who are closer to what the sort of thing that you want to do is Mm -hmm. unless you do want to do that kind of thing but I find that sometimes I I like uh, idealize the work of certain writers and then I realize like I don't actually have any inclination to write like that Mm -hmm. you know like I appreciate it and I'm like it definitely informs what I do Mm. but um like I feel like my stuff has a sense of humor and a playfulness and that's where I like to like be but that's not like the majority of literature and so (laughs) not the majority of literature that we're told is that is good yeah exactly yeah there's plenty of literature that like is not taught that is like really funny and great (laughs) yeah yeah I think you're right and and my reading has been and read things that you don't like so then you can be like I can do better than that (laughs) yeah yeah in a weird way it's sort of (laughs) (laughs) like reassuring I've been trying to read things that are in my domain so obviously I love reading fantasy hence writing it so I read I read fantasy but I want to you sent that amazing quote to me today was it the New York Times oh it was a the New York writers account on Instagram I forget forget. I'm gonna grab it because it feels relevant so Sylvia Moreno Garcia read everything non-fiction fiction memoirs novellas pulp obscure stuff the canon and the obscure Writing is a constant conversation with yourself and with literature. You can't have that if you've only tasted one dish. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> so, so I've been tr- yeah. I've been trying to like in between the stuff that's in the ballpark that I'm in to read yeah. the stuff that's not at all, you know. Yeah. To try and get that breadth. Right. But not trying because you're like genuinely interested not trying you are (laughs) right should we talk about trying you were reading the inner game of tennis by who's it by timothy Um, galway galloway yes i think yeah i can't remember his last name tim i think it's timothy galway do you want to talk about it a little bit or should we yeah i can i yeah always yeah so it is timothy galway so the inner game of tennis oh my god it's you guys got to read this book. It's so, <laughs> so good. Okay. So it's from the 70s. And this chap was a tennis, pro tennis player and turned coach. And he wrote a book about... Influenced by Zen and yoga and stuff like that. Yes. Yes. His, so, so The Inner Game of Tennis is, a, is about the things he observed when coaching players to become better to improve their game and he talks about self one and self two and self one is your busy mind headspace the conscious part of you that tries and that wills self two to be doing better so self two is your 
your body, your like inherited subconscious knowing of every you know connected to every human who's ever exists like everything that we've evolved to have and right like you don't have to tell yourself to breathe because your self too has got it self too has got it exactly <laughs> he has this great piece in in the book where he describes scientifically like biologically everything that happens for you to even swing a rack swing swing a racket and hit a ball right. and it's gobsmacking right what our bodies are doing and we're not right. consciously saying okay nerves we're gonna <laughs> get in line you know <laughs> so so the inner game of tennis is all about quieting self one so that self two can take over and and can act in like this kind of really um sort of authentic way is that is that a fair explanation yeah. what, what would you add to that well, um, I guess we could go like straight into trying because I know that there's this point where he even says like, what does he say? Um, when like when the when he's coaching when he coached uh, tennis players who were like stuck and they kept telling themselves, oh, I well, I just can't, I can't quite do the stroke or I can't, I can't like do the backhand this way that I'm supposed to. Like I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just can't do it. And the harder they would try, the less likely they would be able to do it. So he's saying it's almost as if like trying is actually getting in the way of you doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a sense that we have to like let go of something, but what do we, what are we actually letting go? Mm-hmm. Well, we're kind of like, we're letting go and we're letting self to take over like that, mm-hmm. that kind of unconscious body sense part of us. Mm-hmm. And I, and it's so interesting because I think that both of us felt like, oh, this is so perfect for creative projects too, creative practice, even though like the, the body is not involved in that same way. But there is a sense of like, we're, we're, we just get to the page and we're trying so hard. Yes, that is just, yes. And I, he has all these really great, um, I guess it's a case study, but these anecdotes that he shares where he, he has his, coachy watch him do the stroke and he's like just watch just watch yeah. and he's like okay now do the same thing I did I'm not going to give you any instructions just 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 based on what you saw do the same thing and it's just this lovely sense of when you stop intellectualizing what yeah. you're doing and outlining to yourself well these are the steps I have to do them in this sequence and at this pace or whatever mm-hmm. but just allow this organic thing to happen without right. judgment of the results and that's a really important thing he talks about as well right is yeah when he sees players chat shit to themselves when they've missed something and they're like like oh like do better he kind right. of tim says like who are they talking to who are they telling to do better it's self <laughs> two like self one is telling self two to do better but self one is completely in the way like but, so with control freak about it a complete control freak totally <laughs> Um, but then you know what the crazy thing is mm-hmm. about the, 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 what you're talking about, about the non-judgmental awareness. It's like, even when people are positively like reinforcing themselves, even when they're like, people are like noticing, oh, this person did a good job or I did a good job here. Even that is detrimental, right? Like you want to be completely neutral. You just want to like watch and not make any judgments. Because it's so funny because I think we, that does trip us up. Like sometimes we're like, oh, well, we did a good job here. But then that just like creates more pressure to mm-hmm. 
keep doing a good job, which is not helpful either. Totally. Because then once you've said like that was good, you have immediately said to yourself subconsciously, you've said to self too, anything that's not this is therefore not good. Like this is now the level that you have to meet as a default. Right. It just doesn't allow for failing and learning and testing something and, and it not going to plan. And it's a really rigid way of trying to grow which is Mm -hmm. an antithesis in itself right you can't can't be rigid about growth it just happens right right yeah and and that's a hard thing to wrap your head around sometimes because it's like well what do you mean let it happen (laughs) you know like what do you mean just like chill out get out of your head like what (laughs) what how like how do I actually even do that um so on trying, just one thing I wanted yeah. to share was yeah. this visualization, which we've talked about before, and I just wanted to share it. Oh um, yeah, because I think it it illustrates so beautifully why trying is bad. Right. So I want you to picture yourself stood in front of a big brick wall, and you put your hands on the wall, and now you try to push the wall over. I want you to really try really hard to push the wall over. So what what happened for you when you pictured that? Well, when initially when you told me about this exercise, I it was really hard. Like I just I pictured the resistance, I felt the resistance. Mm-hmm. I just the wall was still there, like it was it just it just stuck. And now if you picture yourself in front of the same wall and you put your hands against it and now push the wall over. What well, my there? imagination immediately just pushed it over. It's like, you know, it's like, I didn't even consider the possibility that like. That it wouldn't. That it wouldn't. Yeah. And it's so one interesting. word, literally. <laughs> It's so saying to ourselves, I'm going to try. It's just, I, I have started to try and wow. I have started to (laughs) make a point of either I commit to something that I actually want to do or Mm -hmm. acknowledge if I'm using this language, try, then there's something about it that I'm not interested in or that actually is not good for me. Like just, or even just acknowledging that there's resistance and saying like, Oh, that's, I've, I, I haven't said um, I'm going to take myself on an artist date. I've said, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and have an artist date this week. It's like, well, what's you the never barrier? Do. <laughs> what's the barrier? Yeah. Yeah, right. I still haven't. I haven't taken myself on an artist date. Have you? Not lately. It's so, it's like, it's so appealing. And then we just don't do it. Like, why is that? Maybe that's a <laughs> different conversation. Um, or maybe not. Um, it just made me think like, I love this exercise. First of all, when you first had me try it, I was like, it's just one word. And then I immediately started thinking, uh, how often do I use this word in a way that like completely blocks anything from really happening? Or like, how often do we use this word? And it just means that we have assumed we're not going to actually do it. Mm. Um, we're like, we're, we're going to try to go to that party. We're going to try to make it. And of course, what we're telling that person is like, I'm probably, I'm probably not going to show up. <laughs> yeah, it's this caveat. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll try, but it's probably not possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many obstacles for me to overcome. I will try and overcome them, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. It's like, we, why do we have such a sense of obstacle when it comes to like writing or making art? I think particularly writing. People are like scared of it because they think that they have to try. And I guess our education kind of sets us up for that, right? Like. Mm-hmm. We're in school, we have to like try really hard to do the assignment the way that this person wants us to do it. But now we're in this phase where like we actually make up the assignment. So <laughs> we yeah. don't really have to conform to anything. And at the same time, well, it kind of it kind of reminds me of what I mentioned earlier about we don't have an image like the way we have in the visual arts of something that we're working toward. Mm-hmm. And so maybe something to play around with is like noticing how many times you want to do something or you tell yourself you want to do something or try to do something, but you don't actually have something in mind of what you're mm. shooting for. Yeah. Like you're trying to do the assignment, but you don't know the assignment. Mm. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. So when I started started actually writing regularly semi-daily I'm not like it's not it's not daily and I'm that's that works for me but it's yeah it's great I'm gonna say it's frequent um I think the the thing that helped that happen was I I pictured really clearly Mm -hmm. me writing I interesting I hadn't really realized I'd done that until you kind of made that parallel. But I, I remember picturing really clearly like, okay, so I'm going to get up not super early, like seven, half seven. I'll get a cozy dressing gown on. I'll make tea in my favorite mug and I'll sit on the sofa. This is where I'll put my laptop. I'll listen to this playlist and I'll have a really lovely time. And I really pictured that moment for myself. And, and you felt it was, like you were there in your yeah, mind. Yeah. 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 And it, it was a very appealing moment. Even now I'm telling you about it. I'm thinking, yeah, okay, where's my dressing gown? Like, let's go. Right. Um, <laughs> so maybe there's something to be said for getting clearer for ourselves, for self too, right? We're picturing those things for self too. Yeah, 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 exactly. Going back to the inner game of tennis, that's something that like, well, that's one of his steps that includes as part of like the process of like, how do you, how do you make these like, improvements in your own behavior and your own life experience and one of the steps is like um make sure you have a clear image or something like that right um Mm. i forget uh yeah it's kind of like you're you're programming self to with the image and feeling of what it is that you want to do and that's what you did bam (laughs) the inner game of tennis strikes again right it's not just for sports (laughs) you know he he does have in a, the inner game of music but I don't know if he has oh, really an, yeah there is there's inner game of music and several there are several inner game books oh no okay. there's just three golf and music I'm not really interested in the golf <laughs> although I didn't think I'd be interested in tennis and yeah right, right. yeah yeah oh that's exciting I'm excited about the music one I'm not a musician mm. but I just assumed that that would just have so many gems in it Mm, yeah there've got to be some like savory overlaps there yeah yeah are you um, reading any other sort of creative process type books obviously you've got the 90 day novel on the go is there anything anything else you're reading 
Yeah, just that. Um, I'm trying to think of. Well, I don't know how this is already kind of new agey. So I'm just going to go for it. Um, oh, there's, please, this book, yeah. <laughs> there's this book called Relax More, Try Less by uh, Neville Goddard and Tim Grimes, which is so much about how um, bringing re relaxation into every part of our lives can just improve it, you know, to, in so many ways, like, because it's something about relaxing and being comfortable in the, being in the receiving mode is how I would say, talk about it is like, that's a big thing because I think when we're trying, we're like ch chasing after something, mm -hmm. but when we're not trying, it's kind of like, we're going into that like relaxed receiving mm -hmm. mode. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I, re I really like that book because, um, actually it directly connects to what you were just talking about, about imagining and feeling yourself mm -hmm. uh, doing what you want to do. Because the first, first portion of that book is like, just find ways to relax, relax your attention. If you're like doing something, sometimes people feel relaxed when they're doing something that to other people seems really active. Mm -hmm. Like when they're working on a project and they're like really immersed in it they have they might have the feeling of relaxation because they're like in a flow but then the second part of that is like once you've managed to be relaxed about this thing um find a i guess zero in on something that you want to experience and something that you actually want to yeah I, that you desire that you have been mm. like trying that in the past maybe and instead of picturing yourself trying picture yourself just having that thing and what would it feel like and what would it like look like like what's how would you experience that thing and be there in your imagination mm -hmm. which I think you like basically stumbled across while you were mm -hmm. figuring out your own process and mm -hmm. I and I just like love the examples that he gives mm -hmm. because it can be used for all kinds of things mm -hmm. um and it's just like trusting life to mm. So something I've been thinking about as an experiment for me that I'd like to do between now and next time. Also, the experiment that I was meant to do, that I was going to do, was this kind of chaotic journaling that we spoke about. I haven't done any, anything to explore this. And that was intentional because it didn't feel like the right experiment at that time. I think I'll yeah. come back to it, though, when it is when it is but something I've been thinking about is that craft piece that you just mentioned then because I've been really focused on finding a way to desire and commit to doing the doing mm -hmm. and being in a space where I'm writing at all um, and now that I feel like I've found a way that feels good for now, and I, I, I'm under no illusions that this might not feel good for, you know, the, the ad adaptation and evolution is, is kind of bound to happen, but it right. feels good for now. So that's great. So now I'm thinking about that kind of craft piece, like, cool. So I'm, I'm getting, I'm doing drafting, I'm getting stuff down. I now mm. want to, I want to feel a bit closer to the act of writing itself and that I don't know what that means but something about 
I'm craving something that is more or that is it's like a different practice to the sort of stream of consciousness brain dump drafting that I'm doing I want mm-hmm. I like I'm, I'm curious about is there a separate thing that I could do not not necessarily as like a daily practice or anything but like I wonder is there what I'm curious to explore that concept the, the writing yeah. craft concept what can I be doing to feel c- more connected to that while yeah. I'm in this drafting process like in a way that's not trying yeah yeah I'm not going to try to write good or whatever but like is there yeah yeah that's a really good that's a really good um angle to also introduce because it just it makes me think of like well free writing is great right like free writing is great and then we want our writing to to look a certain way or to like be like a certain thing in the end and how do we bridge that gap um without chasing after without trying to make it happen in a way that feels really kind of a grind Mm -hmm. yeah because I think again like when we think about our creative education you know and you know this more than me from your uni the way that we study literature is so focused on how much the writer tried what's the writer trying to do here what's the poet trying to do here right right yeah and one thing that like I remember doing when I was younger and just like trying to just writing short like short stories for fun is like I would notice that there was like a passage in a book or okay I wanted to start a short story right and I didn't know how to start it and I saw in this book I just read um, I really liked the opening because I just thought it was interesting the way the author wrote this description so I was like okay I'll just try something like that and then I tried something like that and it worked really well um but it's almost kind of just like you're picking up things like things of how something is constructed and trying it on your own mm-hmm. and seeing what comes of that as like a, a little experiment in itself right mm. and that's such a more much a much more fun way of learning craft than like oh this person did it this way and this is the right way to do it obviously because it's so great and but I could never do it like this and yeah. you know it's not about like doing it just like that it's about like what is the technique used here? How can I use it in a way that serves me and my project? Mm. Mm. I love that. Other writers as teachers. Yeah. And yeah. So I think that that's one way that I guess I'm, I'm trying to learn my craft. Right. Yeah. I'm learning my craft. We yeah. Like catch each other now. Boom. <laughs> You are. We are. And, and we crafting. are in the learning. We are in the crafting. Yes. There is no trying here. What yeah. is it in Star Wars? I feel like there's a Yoda quote. Yes. Like a trying is, quote. Right? I'm not a Star Wars person. I have no idea. I have been. Here's an embarrassing story. My cover letter <laughs> for film school. <laughs> I can't believe I'm sharing this. So my cover letter that I sent when I was applying to film school literally opened with when I was 10 years old and I saw Star Wars, I knew that I wanted to be a filmmaker. There oh, you go. So earnest. Aww. Oh, gosh. It's so funny how, like, as adults, we're just like, oh, it's so embarrassing. But it's like all of us who get into art in any shape are just like, 
I saw this thing when I was seven and it wasn't that great, but it just made me feel like I can make art. (laughs) (laughs) That's everyone's story though. (laughs) What's yours? What's your thing you saw when you were seven or whatever age um, it was? I remember reading Amelia's notebooks. I forget what um, Marissa Moss. And I don't know how old I was, but I remember reading them. And um, in the beginning of the book, like when it says, by Marissa Moss, and, and then there's like a little scribbled, and Amelia. And I had this moment where I was, just, was so precious. I was like, oh my gosh, did a little girl help write this book? Like, <laughs> did, like, did she do it? If she did it, then I can write a book. That's how it began. <laughs> I love it. That's so wonderful. <laughs> So, but yeah, I guess um, kind of embarrassing to tell other people. <laughs> I would love to hear um, other people's stories. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, please exactly. send us your stories. Let's put, let's. Um, the more embarrassing, the better. Yes, let's put something up <laughs> on the gram. Yeah. Um, so if you want to find us, I am at kate.max.arts. Although I might rebrand soon, but that's it for now. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess my little experiment is, I don't know what my little experiment is. What should it be this time? Let me just make these up on the spot, you guys. So I'd be curious to hear about what your little experiments are that you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this week, if yes. you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna experiment with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think based on this, I definitely want to make more time for idleness. I want to make mm-hmm. time to do, to, uh, dream the world of the story and like free write but in shorter pockets in my day so I'm not just like Mm. putting it like setting aside a couple of hours or however much time I can that day to do it because it creates too much pressure and a sense of trying which I don't want anymore Mm. um so I think that's going to be my little experiment and you can find me on insta at uh shaley.ps and we'll put these like in the in the yeah. The description yeah the show, show notes we have show notes, show notes. yeah, show yeah. Notes. It's, it's a thing <laughs> <laughs> um i just want to add before we before we zoom off that your experiment from last time was to start the 90-day novel process yeah so i did i hope you feel proud of yourself you've done thank it thank you yeah and you did yours too yeah we have both experimented as we intended which is always look at, lovely look at us holding each other accountable <laughs> yes creative accountability bah! Yeah. um the other thing that you said you were going to do is doing it wrong which i really like and it feels like with this um sort of adapting the 90-day novel process to have mm-hmm. to exist in these shorter pockets is exactly that it's like on paper he said i assume it's a he yeah. The guy who wrote, yeah, um, mm-hmm. it should be this. And you're like, nope, I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I just can't. <laughs> so, yeah. And you have to wow. accept that about yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, you know. Right. It's got to be right on your terms. So I hope you guys are also, you know, adapting your little experiments as you go. Because mm. that's something that we are definitely doing. And we're not like trying to take, trying. We're not taking ourselves as seriously anymore mm-hmm. which I feel like is a big part of what we're doing here yes oh absolutely bring the fun 
Yeah. I said that so like not enthused. I am enthused. <laughs> Bring the fun. Yes. With a little fanfare. Okay, pal. 